What's up, traders? Anthony Cardelli here, and welcome to the Futures Radio Show podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have my friend, Brian Shannon, on board. He's a CMT, equity trader, author, and ultimate expert when it comes to anchored view apps. Join us as we discuss how anchored view apps combine price, time, and volume to give you the ultimate trading edge. We'll explore powerful anchor points, levels of interest, the importance of multiple time frame analysis, and why simplicity is key when it comes to crafting your trading strategy. Stay tuned until the end of the show where we'll announce three lucky winners from the giveaway that will be receiving their very own signed copy of Brian Shannon's Maximum Trading Gains with Anchored VWAP. Let's get started. Today's podcast is sponsored by EdgeClear. Futures Radio Show listeners can now trade at EdgeClear for a low introductory rate of 59 cents for most futures products and 20 cents for micro products and event contracts. Fun with as little as $100 and pair this with Sierra Charts, Teton order routing to receive one of the lowest all-in fees in the industry for new EdgeClear members only. Check it out at edgeclear.com slash deli. That's edgeclear.com slash deli. Brian, welcome back to the show, my friend. Anthony, great to be on again. Great to have you. We've done this a few times, haven't we? We have, three or four, I think. <laughs> yeah, we did some live stuff too. You and I have done a lot of live stuff over the years. Yeah, in the studio there and then your right. event there in Chicago that one time. That's right. And you know, going back to the times when I actually first started chatting with you and getting the opportunity to meet you, I've said this a bunch of times before on social media, I always love to learn from other people and you look back at the different influence that tr other traders have had on your career. And you've had a great influence on me when it comes to anchoring the VWAP because I was just somebody who just, I had a VWAP up on my screen. I looked at it, but the art of anchoring it, and I say the art of it, because I think we'll talk about that a little bit today, was really a game changer for me in terms of adding something to my strategy that I felt I didn't have. And it was just one of those missing elements. And so, you know, today I just really want to focus on you know, anchoring those VWAPs. Okay. And one of the things that you say in your book is the anchor point is the most subjective part of our analysis. And so let's just start off with the, there. What are some of the key spots that you have found to be the most significant to anchor? Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let me just back that up first and explain why the analysis of the VWAP or the anchored VWAP is 100% objective. It tells us a simple thing. Who's in control from a certain start point? VWAP for the day, anchor from whatever the event might be. So we know with 100% certainty from the beginning of that measurement, whether the buyers or sellers are in control. It could be down for the period. So we might be down for the day, but above the anchored VWAP, it tells us where the buyers are in control for that session. So some of the key events to anchor from are always, I, I put them into three categories. Time-based, number one. So the VWAP is the daily volume-weighted average price. And then I'll look at the week to date. I always start the anchor, especially on the futures, you know, that first tick on a Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, I guess. That begins the new week. And it's interesting to see how often, not every week, but how often that anchor will provide the exact place where we bounce from. 
Other times it'll slice right through it, just like any anchor point. But I've got month to date. So obviously we're here in January 22nd. Our month to date now becomes our year to date anchored volume weighted average price as well. And I'm still referring to the 2023 anchor in some markets. It still has effect in, you know, a year or so later. So, you know, that's time-based. Then you've got price-based, meaning significant highs and lows. Whether we had a swing high, you know, so the 2024 low so far was made on the 6th of this month. I think that's right. Anyway, I'm, I'm looking at, the, at my chart down there. I don't know if that was a weekend or not. It was Friday the 5th was low up. Anyway, so the, the year-to-date low, the year-to-date high, now we're at new highs today, so that's, you know, the daily VWAP at this point. But those are, you know, some of the more significant highs and lows, swing highs and lows. And then you've got news-based, so especially in equities, well, actually for futures, uh, one of the best ones you can use, I think, especially if you're a short-term trader, is from a Federal Reserve announcement. And I know this is going to be January 31st when we're airing this, which is a Fed day. And the moment that we have at 2 p.m. Eastern, as soon as those futures start moving on that, I'll start it actually on a 30 seconds chart, a trading view. As we get about three minutes in, I'll switch it over to a one minute chart. As we get, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, I'll move to a two minute time frame. And then the next day I'll look at, at that anchor on a five minute time frame. As we get more and more time, we can start to, you know, lengthen it out a little bit. So in other words, we've got time-based events, price-based events, and then news-driven. In equities, obviously earnings reports, a lot of times it might be an upgrade or downgrade, maybe just a big volume event could be a couple of those. So let's slow down and digest some of that. Yeah. And, you know, I think the common theme when I think about all the different points that you mentioned is it's a fresh start. It's a new market from that point. Yes. The reason we want to do that, especially when we have a big volume event or a high or a low, we're trying to understand the psychology of the average participant from that point. Who's in control? How would the buyers feel as we pull back to that anchor from that recent low? Well, they might defend it or they might say, hey, I missed that move. Now the smart money is going to say it's pulling into the basically fair value from that event. I'm going to start to stick bids in. Whereas maybe the people who shorted it because it was two standard deviations above that VWAP will say, we're going to short it as it comes down into the, that VWAP, we're going to cover. So what we're looking at always, as you know, is supply and demand. What's the psychology of the participants? The psychology of the shorts is, hey, they shorted it because it was two standard deviations above. And now they're seeing it down at fair value. Now's the time to cover some of those. The psychology of the longs who missed it or what maybe want to add to their position is, hey, it's back at so-called fair value from that point. I'm going to stick in some bids. And we start to see those levels of interest actually form support. Other times they're not going to form that support and just dive right through them. So we look at them never as the actual play, I, at least I don't, I mean, sometimes some, some people do, but I don't look at them as, Hey, it pulled back to that volume weighted average price. Now I've got to buy it. To me, that's too risky. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm chicken. I'm risk averse, Anthony. I'm going to let other people do the dirty work. If I don't get the exact low, I don't care one bit. I want to see that evidence of support. And it might be even on a one minute time frame where it starts to just turn sideways, 10, 15 minutes, and then breaks above that 15 minute high. And I might buy right there with my stop below the low of that last 15 minutes. Maybe it shook out below that VWAP 
And then as the momentum continues, raise my stop, take a little bit off, maybe lengthen it out to a longer term time frame if my idea is supported on the longer term time frame. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned a Fed day as, as this is airing today. This is a Fed day and the market does change exactly at this point. I want to stay in the Fed day just for a minute, just because I know a lot of people are going to be watching this prior to, or even after, uh, after the Fed announcement. And I think that the market is going to be a different market following it, regardless of what the Fed says or does prior to it, just because there's so much emphasis on these Fed meetings right now. And I want to kind of take it to the next level of you anchor on the the Fed announcement, you talked about starting with a 30 second, even potentially, because that's where a majority of that interaction in the market is going to take place, right? And then it kind right. of spills from there. What I want to talk about is following this, because we are saying this is a new important point, which we all know it is. How does that reflect the next levels that it tests? Because you talked about building from these other VWAPs from the opening month of the year, the opening of the week, every Sunday night, you talk about these other important points. And then using your words, levels of interest as we get there. Right. How much significance and weight do those hold when you've now got a really key point like this Fed meeting that potentially changes the market environment? That when we get to those areas, how much influence do they have or is it like you say, we don't know until we see how they react when they get there? We don't know till we get there, but there are certain clues we can look for. So for instance, on next Monday, when you know we have a new week to date anchor, let's say the market rallies two and a half days prior to the Fed announcement, and we're a little bit stretched to the upside. Let's say we're still at all time highs. I, I don't know where we'll be. That's a week and a half from now. But let's say we're at all time highs and we're kind of stretched. And I'll look at that and say, well, if the market pulls back, it's not really a big deal, most likely. It's not going to reverse this giant uptrend that we're in at all-time highs. Instead, I'll look at it and say, okay, Monday, we were at, let's just call it 4,800 approximately where we are now. Let's say we're at 4,800 on Monday, the 28th or 29th, and we rally to 4,950 prior to the event. Well, I'll look at that and say, wow, we've had a really big rally. Is smart money going to be buying after something the Fed announces after this big rally? Or is it likely to be a place to take profits? If it's likely to be a place to take profits, first thing I'm going to do, like I said, is I'm going to look at it on the very short term time frame, 30 seconds for a couple minutes and then one minute for a little bit. And I'm not trading on that. That's too insane for me. We'll start to see maybe we bounce back and forth above and below that volume weighted average price in the first 15 minutes. And then the sellers might grab control and it starts plummeting. Well, I'm going to look at it and say, where are we in relation to yesterday's, Tuesday's volume weighted average price? If we slice right through that, then I'll say the week to date volume weighted average price is at 48.72. So I'll look at it coming down to 48.72 thinking, well, we just dropped 50 handles here. This is getting a little oversold. It's not the end of the world. Let's look for potential evidence that the buyers might regain control in here. So I'll look at that one minute time frame at that, what did I say, 4870. If it starts to bounce back and forth and then starts to rally a bit, I might buy some. And then we get a quick rip higher, let's say. Well, then at that point, I'll say, well, where is it likely to go? Well, the psychology just shifted. In sh very short term, the sellers took control from that 4950 level. And the anchored volume weighted average price from that Fed event is now bearing down on us and it's at 49.20. So let's say we get a bounce from that 48.70 up to 49.20. Well, that's likely going to now halt the market. 
in that spot because the average person who sold short is now kind of break even and they're either going to, you know, lean on it a little bit further or people who bought down lower are going to say, hey, we're back to the anchor from that event. Let's lighten up. So I'll look at that and say, that's now my level of interest to potentially take some off. In fact, I would take some off. Absolutely. And then I would say, well, maybe it just continues to go because we see some wacky stuff off these Fed moves. So I will tighten my stop at that point and start to manage that as a day trade. And let's say we jump above that view app and continue higher throughout the day, then I might transition it to a swing trade because I'm comfortable that that was a big shakeout. I probably would, you know, let's say I sold a third as it rallies up to the VWAP from the Fed. I would probably sell another third or half of what's left by the end of the day and then hold a third overnight just in case we do see some massive continue upside. Got it. I think what I'd like to do now is maybe we go to the visual aspect of it. And some of the things I want to focus on, I know a lot of you that are maybe listening to this on audio, you are going to want to hop over to YouTube to check this out. What I want to talk about is first show us some key points where you're going to be anchoring them in the futures markets. And I also want to add the SPY, the QQQ, maybe we do Russell IWM. And I want to add them because I want to know how significant uh, one is versus the other. If we see nuance between them, let's face it, as much as I am a pro futures guy and those are the markets that I trade, got a ton of people obviously trading SPY and QQQ. And you get a lot of people that say, well, look at the SPY anchored VWAP that hit or the QQQ that hit versus the NASDAQ hit. Which one holds more significance? So let's take it to the man himself and see what those look like on the charts. So let's maybe switch over to the charts now, Brian. Sure. There we go. Okay, so let me explain what we have here. On the left is a one hour time frame. So each one of those bars represents one hour of trading. On the right, I believe that's a 15 minute bar chart, 10 minute actually. So on the right is a 10 minute bar chart. And what we're doing is this black one, that's the anchored volume weighted average price from the beginning of the year. That's the very first futures trade of 2024. I believe it was a Sunday. Anyways, the market initially, we had a little bit of volatility in there and then the sellers took control very quickly. They maintained control uh, for the first few days here, right down to you know, the, the low was made right here on the, on the fifth, uh, on this day right here. So you can see that these bounces the sellers were there at those at the anchored volume weighted average price from the beginning of the year. So right here, it's a two-day volume weighted average price. On here, it's a three-day, four-day, five-day, et cetera. The buyers regained control right here. This is where the buyers regained control as the market got back above that volume weighted average price from the beginning of the year. So at that point, I didn't buy it because I thought it was a little bit stretched. I saw it rally. So I figured, well, that's an important low. I'm going to put an anchor on that. I color them green, green for the low, red for the high, and try to make some sense of it from that regard. So when I see this market start to rally, the next day we gap down on the SPY, it came right down to the two-day volume weighted average price, got back above the daily VWAP, and I purchased right here. And my stop at that point was underneath this level, and we started to rally. Then. We had these pattern of higher highs and higher lows. We saw the pullback and look at how it nailed that anchor from the beginning of the year. So it was previously resistance over here was supported. It was supported again, but we had lower highs coming into it. We broke below that year to date anchor and then we rallied up. So after we rallied up to the anchor from the high here, I then put 
this blue anchor to say, maybe that's an important low. We'll see. But as we got back above it, that's where I purchased again. I didn't want to buy down in here by these dips. I, I never want to buy the dip. I want to buy strength after. As we got above the anchor from that red, what happened there was we made a higher high and we had a higher low. So that told me the average short participant from this peak is now losing money. And if I buy here, I could have bought right here with a stop under there. Um, instead, I looked at it. I want to buy here with a stop underneath this level because over here, we still had that pattern of lower highs and lower lows. And we're actually below a five-day moving average as well. So as the buyers regain control, it's time to you know, be long and hold on and know your time frame, peels them off, raise stops, et cetera. What we see on the right, let me just scrunch that up a little bit and let's make that 15 minute time frame so we can see it a little bit more clearly. This purple is, you can see on there Sunday at 2300 hours, right when the futures market opened uh, on Sunday. So that is the daily volume weighted average price for the futures, which is now because of today's Monday, it's the week to date volume weighted average price. So we're a little bit extended. We're getting a little bit of resistance at the daily volume weighted average price right now. That tells me be a little bit cautious. Maybe we're going to pull back a little bit. Maybe we'll pull back to the anchor all the way from that low. Or I might temporarily put one and say, here's where the buyers regain control at this little pullback low. That's where we got back above the year to date anchor and tested it. And then we made a higher high. So this is going to be a level of interest to me right now. It's at 48.45. That will, of course, be rising here in the next day and a half. It'll be up at 48.55. I'll look at that and say, maybe this is a level of interest. And we start to see some compression of energy or pinching in that area to see, you know, maybe we just need a couple of days to digest these gains right here, right now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you call that purple the handoff? I think I remember you talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, th this one right here. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what I call it. And to explain that concept, that's a chapter in the book is called The Handoff. It's basically, where does the new momentum campaign begin? When did we know for certain that the buyers had control? I say right here is where we knew the buyers had control. They took, that's where we had confirmation. This is actually where they took that control. So I look at that and say, now that the handoff has occurred, the sellers were in control over here. Now the buyers are back in control. So that tells me from that point where the buy, the psychology shifted from sellers in control, lower highs and lower lows to buyers in control. This is where the average long from that period is going to have price memory, basically, and emotional attachment to it. If that fails to hold, let's say we come down quickly, we bounce up and then come back down, then I would look at the anchor from that blue level, that light blue level, and see if that becomes the next level where buyers might, you know, defend. I'm glad I caught that handoff because I remember talking to you uh, years ago even about that. And that's something that I use to minimize some of the lines that I have up because that's going to take me to the next thing is that I think that a lot of traders, what will end up happening is you'll just end up having all of these either VWAPs up there or any indicator for that matter. And we talked about how when you're looking at anchoring, it's a new market. It's a fresh start. It's like what's happening from here. The question on the handoff I have is, let's just say you had a significant low like you did there with that turquoise one, and mm -hmm. then you had the handoff. At what point do you start minimizing the amount of anchored VWEPs that you have and which ones maybe would hold a higher level of significance versus the others? 
Well, the, the year to date definitely has a lot of significance, as does that green uh, from the low. And you can see those are going to be basically in the same area, especially as we get more data. They're going to kind of converge here. But right now I look at this market and say, how long do I want to keep this purple one on? Well, you can see that that's also, it's kind of near this prior peak as well. So we had resistance here and then here. So resistance broken should act as support. So there's other technical reasons to think maybe this is an important level. If this market, I'm not good at drawing on here. Let's see if I can do it. You know, let's say we do something like this and then we get another rally from there. And then that anchor, you know, holds, let's say, let's say it does this in the next day or two. Then I will say, well, that's significant. I'm going to keep it on for a little while until we see a significant high. If instead this ends up being a significant high, and instead of doing this, we do this, and that volume weighted average price looks like this, what I would then do, Anthony, is put a provisional anchor right here at this peak and say, okay, this is our new 2024 year-to-date high. So I'm gonna set a provisional anchor there and see how maybe if we pull back down to 4,800, is that now going to be resistance? Is that something we're going to need to poke up through and probe a couple times before getting through it? It's too early to say that yet until we get a little bit deeper pullback. But I'm in the back of my brain, I'm starting to think maybe I add one to this peak if it is in fact significant. And I'll know that in a day or two. If we just kind of consolidate through time and then push higher, well, then that high doesn't really matter because it's just part of a trend. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think what's so important here is that you find your areas to anchor them. You watch them as levels of interest and you watch how the market respects them or doesn't respect them. Keep an eye on the market activity around them as we start to move towards them, how the market reacts to them and then potentially away from them. You're adjusting based upon those reactions. You're not just choosing which ones at any given time to remove. Right. So, so here, as, as you were just saying that, here's why, how I might remove that purple, the handoff one, is that if this market does fall and it just slices right through that level and says, no, it didn't matter. Well, I'm not going to think it matters if the market didn't think it's mattered. I view it as a potential interest level. If instead it sells off and comes down to this anchor, the, the light blue one, and then starts to bounce from here, then I'll say, well, the market respected that one. Now this is just noise on my chart. This doesn't really have any value. So I'm going to keep this red one on and see how it, I would color that red. So from the peak, if this is in fact a peak and see how it responds to that. So it's always adjusting and saying, you know, the market is, we have to adjust. It's always evolving. It's giving us new information. The new information is price and price is often the news that we're trying to analyze, not what the headline is, but what's the reaction? 100%. I think this is why I go back to the times where I first started talking to you about anchoring them. It's been such a great guide for me in understanding what the market's proving to me in this moment. Right. I think that, that, that's the, my, always my biggest takeaway after talking with you is that the market's proving to me that it wants to stay above the volume weighted average price. And that to me is far better than any moving average out there. And a lot of people, Brian, maybe we talk about that just for a brief second. Yeah. Why, and I know we've, you've done a ton of this, I'm not going to say why the VWAP, but why the VWAP opposed to something 
else, not necessarily just why the VWAP. Internally, why this proof of holding above or below it is really a strong indication of what's really happening in this particular market environment. Yeah. I mean, I think a real easy way to explain it is to compare it to a moving average. Let's say a simple moving average or an exponential moving average. If we think about what they represent, it's just the average price over a certain period number of bars. There's no magic to that. It's only the value is that the market has collectively agreed that the 20-day moving average, 21 EMA, 50-day, whatever it is, is important. So when we see a market pull back to a rising 20-day moving average or 21 EMA, whatever is your preference, what we'll see is the shift in psychology where short sellers will say, hey, we shorted it because it was high. And now it's coming down to the 20-day moving average. The 20-day often acts as support. So let's be smart and start to cover some of our shorts. So they're no longer shorting. Instead, they're covering less supply and more demand. Let's say we had a big fund who said, hey, we just got a 2% rally today after the 8% rally in the last three days. Let's start selling some of this. Let's sell it down to the 20-day moving average because the 20-day moving average often acts as support on a pullback. So they start selling some and then it gets to that 20-day moving average. They remove their source of supply and then they say, well, you know, the 20-day moving average usually acts as support, but Joe Retail is not going to go in there and provide that support. So let's, we just sold a half million shares on the way down. Let's stick in a bid for 100,000 shares to give confidence to the rest of the market that yes, there's still buyers in here. And lo and behold, we have less supply and more demand in this area because it's a level that people have agreed upon. And that's great to know. There's a lot of value. I use simple moving averages all the time. What the anchored volume weighted average price does though, so this light blue one, is it says from the, that low pullback, the sellers had control for four or five days, then the buyers took control. We know that they have control as long from that point, as long as it's above that level. So again, if we see that institution saying, oh, I missed a lot of that move, I didn't want to chase it. I want to buy some as it pulls back. What's fair value? What's the average price that the buyers have paid? That's where I want to be involved because I don't want to be the dope who has a cost basis, you know, 2% above the average participant from an area. So they have programs in there set to be bidders for a certain amount. The short sellers who might say, hey, listen, it's a Monday. It's a new week. We're up 4% in the last three days. Let's take some off. Let's short it down to the, the anchor from here. And it, it becomes, again, just the supply and demand dynamics. But instead of a time-based, you know, random number that people have agreed upon, this is actual supply and demand psychology. And that tells us, again, with 100% certainty, as long as we're above this, the average participant from that low is in the money if they're long and out of the money if they're short from there. Doesn't mean all of them are, because some people are shorted this morning are making money, but they're the exception right now. So it's more about the factual supply and demand and seeing that balance fold out. And when we start to see that we're below the new week to date volume weighted average price, it just turns the light caution a little, you know, yellow a little bit. It's blinking yellow. It's not bearish at all because the primary trend is still higher, but it just says, just go a little bit slower here. Take your foot off the gas. Exactly. I'm somebody who's constantly pushing market environment and a VWAP is a huge part of understanding that. Brian, I want to go to SPY QQQ. Like I said, I know this is Futures Radio Show, but I do think that this is such an important aspect of what we do as traders is understanding what's happening in these other markets. I'm not blind to the fact that SPY and QQQ aren't products that you need to be watching from a technical basis because they might hit something of significance 
that maybe the futures didn't. And then all of a sudden the market's reacting and you're sitting there going, well, why didn't I see that? So we're going to bring on those charts now. And I'm curious just from your perspective, and I know that you're more on the ETF side and the stock side. Is there one that sways more or less from your perspective when you're looking at SPY, QQQ versus the ES or the NQ? Typically, I am more ETF based because I'm a stock guy. The exception to that is if we have a lot of volume in the overnight session, big range, big volume. So if what shows up is a gap in the SPY, as you know, it's not a gap. There was a lot of trading activity overnight in that area. And, you know, you'll see that with equities a lot of time. What seems like a gap was just, you know, there was millions of shares traded in the pre-market and it doesn't mean there was no liquidity there. True gaps are fairly uncommon, actually. By the way, I don't know if you heard that little beeping there about a minute ago. I'm getting alert on trading view that we're approaching. We're actually right on an important anchor in Bitcoin. And we'll talk about that in a minute if we have time. Um, Not to switch gears, but so in the SPY, here's this green on the right. So on the right, we have a 30 minute time frame. And you can see the same thing. We saw supply at the anchor almost precisely there. But, you know, the year-to-date anchor right in here, we didn't come close to touching. Whereas in the futures right here and right here, they were almost perfect touches of the year-to-date anchor. So we had a slightly different slope to it where it was kind of like this. It was a little bit faster in the futures because we had volume that wasn't accounted for in the overnight sessions. So I kind of, Anthony, to, you know, look at both of them. Last week, right before, this is where I got involved in the SPY right up in here. I saw that it touched the year-to-date anchor almost to the penny. I mean, you just can't make that stuff up. That it really, I I mean, I think it was to the penny right there. uh, That low was 472.42. And right here, you can see that's basically the year-to-date anchor. And that's where the buyers regain control. So as you see, I have an anchor on that gap, or we could put it right here and say from that handoff point. And then here's today's anchor where we've been below it basically most of the day. But if you go to the futures, we're above it longer because again, that gap, that's really not a gap in the futures. So the easy answer, it's a complicated answer is it depends on what happened overnight. If we have a lot of volume, if we have range, I'm going to be looking at the futures. But I'm also going to be looking at the SPY. And when we come down, or let's say we rally up through this anchor on the SPY, but the anchor on the ES is right here. I'm not going to get so excited. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious. And then if the futures fail, I'm going to say, oh, wait a minute. Okay, now where we had more volume and more price memory, that's failing. So it really comes down to the really kind of the nitty gritty of how active you want to be. Are you day trading this stuff or, you know, how accurate do you need to be? The more accurate you need to be, you need to be aware of both of them. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And with the futures markets, one of the things that I look at is obviously the year to date one. And I look at the regular trading hour session, which is a little bit different than what you do. But I really am always keeping an eye on where the spy is on the medium to longer terms, because as they cross over together or they hold together, like what you said, where it almost got there to the tick and you see that both are showing that support. And I almost love a scenario where maybe the futures slip a little bit and they get right to their VWAP or just get below it. And the spy tends to hold it. 
I look at that little nuance and I'm like, you know what? You better be conscious of this because those spy guys are saying we defended it. We didn't even get there. That's even more bullish or more bearish if it's testing it on, on a, you know, a sloping down one. So it's, I, I wish I could overlay them because that's exactly what happened right here is the future exactly. did come down through it slightly. So what you're saying that that's why it's important to know both of them. Yeah, because especially on the spy, to me, I don't do them on the short term because I just I'm not watching them on a regular basis, but I am checking them every morning or on a weekly basis or even sometimes on a daily basis. if I know that we're near them to see where those big turning points are, because if the flow is coming in together in both, then you just have a more of a stronger confirmation as a futures trader. Agreed. You mentioned Bitcoin. I know that Bitcoin is obviously a hot topic for everybody right now, what it's been doing in terms of technical analysis. I think we should take a look at this Bitcoin. I know that Bitcoin is going to move so fast before we even get a chance to even talk about it because Bitcoin is one of those markets that just moves on a dime. And so by the time this is aired, but I think from the educational standpoint, I think it's important to see what's something that Brian Shannon would be having on as a trigger to look at for a VWAP. Sure. So this but this window has three time frames. The weekly is on top, on the bottom left is daily, and on the right is a two-hour time frame. I've got that five-day moving average in there too, Tony, right there. That's that orange. So what I'm looking at now is the big news obviously recently was occurred on this day right here was that's when the ETFs got approved, <laughs> the Bitcoin ETFs. Yeah. The exact high. Well, this was a classic case of buy the rumor, sell the news. The market was anticipating this, so it ran up in front of that. To me, the anticipatory rally began right here on the weekly chart, which is right here on the daily time frame. So we're just looking at it a little bit expanded. That's where we saw the big move begin right here. It broke a little bit of resistance, and that's where that move began. Well, look where we are right now. We're right on that. That's why I had an alert set there. Now, I'm looking at this and saying we're in a pullback mode. Look, at we're below a declining five-day moving average. We're below the anchor from the event, the ETF approval right here. That's what that red anchor is. We're below that. So from that event, the profit takers, the sellers, the shorts, whoever you want to call them, are in control. We know that with 100% certainty because the average price it traded since there is about 42.9. And here we are at 39.6 right now. So this is a definite level of interest to me. This is a place where maybe we're going to see buyers take control. However, do I want to be the guy who blindly sticks in a bid there? No, because what if we continue down to the anchor from this peak right over here in 2021? Or what if we just completely fall apart? I don't want to buy the dip. I want to look at this and say, we're in a area of interest. Is there any evidence on this two hour chart? And we can even switch it down to a 10 minute time frame. Is there any evidence that the buyers are gaining control in here? Absolutely not. None whatsoever. We're seeing bar after bar, lower highs and lower lows. We've got these patterns of these lower highs and lower lows. So I'm looking at this and saying, I set an alert here because I'm interested in this area because it's where we saw a big shift in supply and demand dynamics for Bitcoin. So now I want to look in here and see how it responds. I don't need, if 39,620 is the low, I don't need to own it there. I would much rather own it at 40,500 and know that the buyers are in control and know that I have a logical place for a stop before I get involved. Because maybe this drops down to 38,2 and then comes back up. 
so right now it's a level of interest, but it's definitely not a place for me at least to do business. Hopefully, you know, big shorts are covering in here and we're going to start to see this emerge. So this, this is what I'm thinking when we get here is here's why it's important because we saw this big move anticipating the ETFs. We sold off down to that. Now let's see how it shakes out. Yeah, this example also goes over what my next question was going to be is the importance of using multiple time frame analysis, which we know you, you talk about as well. And you're showing the weekly, the daily, and then the short term. And, and this really just ties into your consistency in how you approach markets, levels of interest. Uh, it's not support until we see it actually hold a support or resistance. We've talked about this, you and I, a lot about how yeah. important is market reactions. And that's how you are using these VWAPs, because my next question was going to be about multiple timeframes, is taking them down, even if in time frame, even if you maybe are a medium to longer term time frame, I guess, are you still using the shorter term time frame just to help guide you in that moment of execution? Absolutely. So for what I do mainly in equities is uh, swing trading. And, and the way I do that is I am aware of right now, a lot of stocks are breaking out to, you know, beyond 52 week highs. So I can't just look at a daily time frame for levels of interest because there might not be anything there. I need to look further to the left and consult a weekly time frame. So for instance, you know, on the daily time frame over here for, for Bitcoin, you know, this was breaking to new highs on the chart. So we had to say, where does that fit into this bigger picture over here? And so for my swing trades, I want to generally see the stock is in an uptrend on the daily time frame. It's pulled back maybe three or four days. It's gone sideways a day or two. And then that five-day moving average is flattened out. Typically for me, that means looking at a 15-minute time frame to kind of look for that and then see where those bigger levels of recent uh, you know, support and resistance zones have been. And then when it comes down to actually executing the trade, you know, let's say it's hot on my list for that day. First thing in the morning, if the stock gaps up, I will put a, an anchor on the one minute chart. Hopefully it pulls back, gets above the anchor for that VWAP, and then I'll get involved right then and there at minute 12 of the day and set my stop below, you know, the prior day's close or something like that. So it's always about understanding the bigger picture first. Where do I fit in in this trade? What's the path of least resistance overall? And then saying on the intermediate term timeframe, what's my potential risk reward? And then on the shorter term timeframe, how do I execute this in the lowest risk way possible so that I can say, I want to set my stop as tight as possible. That way I can get maximum share size and still risk the same amount. Yeah, no, I love it. Thank you for explaining that. I want to leave on this note today before we get to the winners of your book, which thank you so much, Brian, has given yeah. away uh, three signed copies of his book. Uh, and if you don't have it by now, this was a great opportunity for you to get it. And if you're not one of the winners, I still recommend getting Brian's book. Uh, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of what Brian does. And I think it's immensely helpful to anyone, no matter what your strategy is. I think that's the beauty of the BWAP, Brian, is that I don't think it matters what strategy anyone has. I think the VWAP can be a great addition to any strategy because of all the reasons we've talked about today. I want to talk about how you say in your book, simplicity is the market's greatest disguise. Can you elaborate on the statement and give advice to the traders out there who are struggling to just tune out that noise? 
You know, I don't remember where I heard that first, but it's true. The more you think about it, the more experience you get that I started out like everyone did. I looked at every single indicator and oscillator out there and got excited about them for a week and then traded them and realized, wait a minute, that's not the magic bullet. And I am not here to disparage any indicator or oscillator or anything that works for anyone. I do think, though, that if you add the Anchor VWAP, that it will tell you, again, with 100% certainty, who has control from a certain point. It's not from the point where you bought it. You're the only one who cares that, right? But where is the crowd going to potentially defend their position? And that tells us now we're in the right neighborhood. Now we know where we can hopefully take some risks. So the simple nature of the market is it's really just comes down to supply and demand. People act for all different reasons, but it's still supply and demand. There is a fundamental crowd out there. I look at fundamentals, Anthony, actually kind of the same. I want to buy growth stocks, but is it because I think the company is a good company and I'm invested in their well-being or is it more, I'll tell you what it is. It's because I look at these stocks and say, there's, you know, 5,000, you know, 5,000 mutual funds, let's say 500 of those. I'm just making these numbers up are growth fund managers. Well, they're allowed to buy only a certain type of stock. So the growth companies, the companies that are reporting earnings up 20% on revenues of at least 20%. I know that there's a natural audience built in for those stocks. And if I can find those at low risk prices, I know that all these institutions are interested in this stock and they're likely to defend it because their bylines say you have to buy these types of stocks. These are what you have to own. So there's built-in source of demand. And then I want to combine that with the technicals and say, now's the time to do it. The pullback is over. The buyers are regaining control. Why are the buyers there? Well, a lot of them like me are there because the chart looks great. A lot of them there, the big money, the big you know, billion dollar funds are there because there's not a lot of companies growing their earnings 100% on revenue increases of 38%. These are the ones they have to own and these are the ones they're comfortable owning. So we've got all that psychology behind us, but it all comes down to supply and demand and that's the simple nature of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I agree with that philosophy wholeheartedly. Brian, this has been great. Uh, everybody, he's the author of Technical Analysis Using Multiple Timeframes and his new book, which we're about to give away, three of them signed copies, Maximum Trading Gains with the VWAP. The man who's helped so many people, Brian Shannon. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Also, Alpha Trends uh, on Twitter and alphatrends.net. Check out everything that Brian's got going on. He gives away so much of his time and such valuable information. And once again, I think the VWeb can be used in any strategy. It's a great addition. Brian, you're the best, man. Thank you so much. Right back at you, Tony. You keep doing all the great work you're doing too. That That uh, is obvious here, what you're doing for the community. Thank you so much, Brian. And everybody else, hang tight. We're going to be picking the winners. So back in just a few seconds, and we'll announce the three winners to get in Brian Shannon's Maximum Trading Gains with VWAP signed copy. Streamline your trading setup with Edge Clear, the forward-thinking broker for active traders. From our unbeatable service with an assigned broker to Edge Pro X, our robust and reliable trading platform. Edge Clear offers more than transparent fees and fair prices. Designed by traders for traders, we combine the best of technology, service, and risk control. Our dedicated brokers are here to help you grow. Join Edge Clear today and elevate your trading business.
All right, traders, without further ado, the three winners of the signed copy of Brian Shannon's Maximum Trading Gains with the Anchored VWAP are Sean Palachuk, Darren Michael, and Andrew Chan. Congratulations to the three winners, and thank you to everyone that participated in this giveaway. Hopefully, you took a ton from today's podcast with Brian Shannon. It's always great to speak with him about using the Anchored VWAP, and I want to leave you with this final thought. Remember, the Anchored VWAP doesn't need to be your primary strategy, but it is by far one of the best indicators that I have found as a confirmation to any strategy out there. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us the thumbs up and hit that like button on YouTube. And also make sure you're a subscriber of my channel for all future Futures Radio Show podcasts. All right, everybody. See ya.